German pianist Axel Swingenberger was drawn to Boogie Woogie because of the musical freedom it allows and the American experience it reflects. Axel is now one of the greatest practitioners of the style, as well as a historian of the early greats who invented it. American vocalist Lila Ammons studied classical music and for years enjoyed a career in the opera world in spite of her lineage to her celebrated grandfather, boogie pianist Albert Ammons, and her uncle, tenor saxophonist Gene Ammons. The family connection to jazz didn't draw Lila to it, but rather her meeting with Axel Swingenberger. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I met with Axel and Lila at the 2010 Ascona Jazz Festival in Switzerland as part of a series of special interviews I did in front of the international audience that flocks to this lovely musical event at the foot of the Alps. We started our conversation with Axel, demonstrating the difference between stride, boogie, and blues piano playing. This was Boogie Boogie, of course, and uh, you you have this A to the bar rolling beat, which is pretty different from stride, and Boogie Boogie belongs to, to the blues, so it's a kind of blues piano playing for dancing, actually, and this is a bit different to stride piano, because stride piano derives from ragtime, from uh, a lot of, there's a lot of composed music to it, a lot of composed music of European descent, much more though than in Boogie Boogie, and uh, you have that kind of uh, jumping rhythm, and I have to say I do not play real stride. What I can play is a little bit of uh, blues tied with a, with a little bit of a striding bass, but I would never call myself a real stride piano player, that's your... <laughs> <laughs> so. Sounded like stride to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. But you know what I mean. You know, you have these. Uh, you have certain stride piano mm. patterns. You have a slightly different feel for the rhythm. You have the the uh, kind of melodic lines in the left hand, which are different. So. Uh, so I'm, I'm a bit particular about these uh, these differences because. Nowadays, a lot of music is called stride, which is not stride. You know, like I've heard people telling that Jerry Roll Morton's music is stride, that uh, Art Tatum's music is stride, and that's just not true. And um, but uh, for the boogie woogie, the source for that and uh, for the boogie woogie piano player is actually blues piano, and blues piano has a lot of varieties. Um, You know, one of my old friends was champion Jack Dupree, a great piano player from New Orleans, and he played a kind of a New Orleans uh, type of barrel house blues, which would, which would go like this. Mm -hmm. 
I find it fascinating as an American and as an American pianist that you, growing up in Germany, have taken this upon yourself to not only you've gotten interested in this music, but you are a real archivist, authority on this music. You are keeping it going. I mean, thank goodness for you <laughs> that you're doing it. But I'm fascinated with that, that you coming from your culture. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, there are two answers for that. Hmm. First answer is I grew up with the piano, and um, I, you know, I I played some classical music, and um, you know, I understood after a while that um, my uh, main strength is, uh, for example, improvising and rhythm. And uh, I started uh, touching the piano as a little child, you know, just trying out what to do. And then uh, later on, I received piano lessons. And then out of a sudden, you know, you, you have to do this, you have to do that, you know, be uh, very precise in what you play in Mozart and all that. And uh, I liked the music, but it was not my own. And when I heard Boogie Woogie for the first time by Pete Johnson, by Albert Ammons, by Midlux Lewis, on some old shellac records, you know, that really did the thing to me. And I found my uh, musical language, and I didn't care too much that this was from another uh, part of the world. And the second answer is, you know, German folk music and German music uh, was so misused by the Nazis that uh, when I grew up in the 50s and 60s, it was totally out. You know, you could not uh, you could not listen, or many people couldn't listen to German folk songs without thinking how they were misused. There was a big need for my generation to find something different, and um, this is um, something now. Uh, it, it comes a little more to turn uh, about that. But, uh, you know, the, our own heritage had been devastated by that. And uh, so a lot of people really were looking forward to, a lot of, uh, to, ex, uh, to explore a lot of different kinds of music, jazz and blues, and that, that was the music that uh, was after the Nazi Reich, and uh, that meant freedom. And so uh, that had a very deep meaning for people. And also it was a big challenge, you know, because uh, then I loved this music. And the first thing I read about this was uh, white people, and especially Europeans, cannot play that. So I thought, <laughs> what a wonderful challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and I love hearing you say this because it proves something that I've thought for a long time because, of course, I came from a very different situation. But, but what we share is that I became impassioned about stride piano, which was a kind of music that was long before I was even born. And so people always said to me, what's a young girl like you doing interested in this music? And I think that it is just more proof that if you're exposed to these things, you have more opportunities to have something touch you, which if, they, if kids can't hear it, they don't have that opportunity, and obviously you got to hear it and pursue it in this beautiful way, and mm -hmm. with a vengeance, I might say. <laughs> so talk about the two of you, which is one of the most beautiful meetings. I think it's just great. Talk about a reward for loving this music for so long. <laughs> talk about that. It is, uh, yeah, it's uh, with uh, Lila and how we met. It's a very special story. 
a friend of mine uh, from Hyannisport um, had the plan to write a book about Albert Ammons. And um, so I agreed to, um, uh, to um, well, add something to it, you know, which is a commentary uh, from a musician's view about the recordings of Albert's. And uh, this book uh, is called Boogie Woogie Stomp by, Christ, uh, by Christopher Page. Um, and uh, Chris, uh, <laughs> Chris threw, a, uh, threw a, book, uh, uh, a book release party in Hyannis Port, and he invited um, Lila and her family, especially your father, Edsel Ammons, uh, the son of Alberts, um, to, to participate in that party. It must have been incredible for you with this family heritage. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable for me, actually. There were, uh, it was Axel, and then there were several other men there um, who were not African-American who were playing this music, mm -hmm. and we spent two days of these men who were very impassioned playing this music, and I didn't know a lot about it because um, we were kind of directed a little differently. I went into the classical uh, genre of music, and, uh, you know, my folks being protective and loving wanted us not to go into pop or to jazz. They really wanted us to do something. <laughs> they wanted that you to make a living. They thought that being an opera singer was, <laughs> was going to somehow save us and redeem us, but little did they know there's a lot going on there too. But, <laughs> but um, anyway, um, interestingly enough, when I was uh, at the conservatory in Manhattan, I became, started to become curious about my heritage. And uh, my father had had this LP, uh, John Hammond Presents uh, Spirituals to Swing at Carnegie Hall. And I remembered the name John Hammond, and I, I went to my little favorite bookstore one day, used bookstore, and I saw his book on the record, John Hammond. And I said, I think that's the name that was on that album that I used to see when I was a little kid. And I started to leaf through it, and I saw in the table of contents there was some information about Albert, and I said, this is the man, you know. So I saw on the back that John Hammond had play, uh, was working for Columbia Records. Of course, I had no idea how old he was or if he was even alive, but I called Columbia Records. And uh, he was there. And John Hammond, of course, was the big impresario who um, discovered Albert and Pete and, of course, Billie Holiday, and it goes on and on and on. And so I sat with him and Barney Josephson, who was the proprietor of Cassie's Cafe Society, both in their late 80s and uh, ailing, and I got them really at the end of their lives, but they told me so much about the era. So this was all happening parallel. Axel had actually come into New York. I didn't know him. He was touring with, Ma, with uh, Sippy Wallace, and my, my theory teacher at school had introduced me to Sippy. He said, somebody's coming to your school, and I think you should meet her. So I kind of had this thing going in the back of my head the whole time I was doing opera. And then when this <laughs> happened um, with Axel, you know, that kind of sparked a little bit more curiosity. And then some years later, we, I emailed him, and he reminded me that Albert's uh, 100th anniversary of his birthday was coming up in 2007. And I said to myself, this is exactly what I needed because I wanted to celebrate as I learned more about Albert. I became so, um, so proud of his achievements and I thought, what an opportunity to celebrate Albert. And I also, like you, as you talk about exposure to this music, I thought, you know, people need to hear this music because as I heard it, I became infected by it. 
And so I, we did some concerts throughout the year, and it culminated into this fantastic concert in Chicago, of which Axel came from Germany and Ava came, and we had a, a, people from all over um, just donating their time. And from there, Axel invited me to um, do a, a, a sing with him at one of the festivals. I only knew one song. <laughs> And I got up and he said, you know, you have kind of a feeling for this, Lila. H um, how would you like to go on tour with me? <laughs> <laughs> that one tune got you the gig. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, that was in Cincinnati at that, uh, at that uh, you know, they have a, a piano stage at the Cincinnati uh, Blues Festival. And so, um, and they uh, have set up a Boogie Woogie Hall of Fame. And in 2007, they uh, wanted to induct Albert and myself. Uh, yeah, and uh, so so Lila came up to represent the Ammons family, and and I remember you came up and said, "Well, l let's try Basmi," <laughs> and uh, that was the very first time. You know, so it was a it was like a cold start. Mm -hmm. uh, you on really only knew yeah. one tune. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we didn't and we didn't rehearse before. Yeah. It was spontaneous. This shows you what show. kind of courage that <laughs> takes. You may not know the story. I'll I'll tell you that I that I have read this, so I'm, I don't know that it's true, but I've, I've heard it from a number of sources, that Ella Fitzgerald, when she went to that famous, you'll, you'll know, he'll know if this is true, that she went to the Apollo for the, for the amateur contest that she was in. She had planned to dance, and the girl who went on before her, Ella realized was a better dancer than she. So she thought, well, I'll sing instead. And she knew two tunes, right? <laughs> That's what I had heard. So yeah. So that see, there's true. a long. That and I, true. I only knew one tune when I got my first job too. So I, I always say I knew five tunes, and four of them were Honeysuckle Rose. <laughs> so I think you two should do something together for sure. us. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> Don't advertise your man Don't you ever sit around gossiping Explaining everything your honey can do Cause these women nowadays They ain't no good They'll laugh in your face Then try to steal your man from you so Women be wise, keep your mouth shut, don't advertise your man, don't be a fool, don't advertise your man.
be wise Keep your mouth shut Don't advertise your man Don't you ever sit around gossiping Explaining everything your honey can do Cause these women nowadays They ain't true blue Cause they fool around with everybody in your neighborhood So women be wise Keep your mouth shut Don't advertise your man Don't be a fool Don't German pianist Axel Swingenberger and American vocalist Lila Ammons recorded live at the Ascona Jazz Festival in Switzerland. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. recording of pianist Albert Ammons, grandfather of my guest Lila Ammons, and vocalist Sippy Wallace on a 1945 recording of Buzz Me. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. But when I get my arms around you, ain't gonna let 
know, Sippy Wallace is a very interesting figure. First of all, she belongs to the very first generation of blues singers who recorded. And, you know, these singers were the first stars in jazz. That was even before the instrumentalists came in. Uh, because the very first uh, big seller uh, in blues was Crazy Blues by Mamie Smith in 1920, and that started uh, a whole uh, a whole industry for blues recordings. And Sippy uh, belonged to that generation. She did her first recordings in 1923, and uh, she continued to do that... Uh, to the 30s and then dropped uh, uh, dropped from the scene uh, because of several uh, private uh, uh, incidents you know like a, two of her brothers died and her husband died at that time so so she turned uh, to gospel only uh, came back in the 40s for a short recording session and then was rediscovered in the 1960s for uh, some tours in uh, in Europe for some recordings, and uh, she also was one of the main inspirations for Bonnie Raitt and people like them. And uh, so Sippy is a very important part of blues history. And I was fortunate to meet her in 1982. Actually, um, my link with Sippy <laughs> at first came out of... Uh, out of uh, a relationship she had with the Ammons family because Sippy's youngest brother was Herschel Thomas and he was one of the most prolific uh, Texas blues piano players and uh, they had moved to Chicago and uh, Albert Ammons as a teenager became very interested in that style and Sippy told me uh, that Albert would drop uh, by their house every day in order to learn from Herschel and uh, you know, Sippy called him actually Little Albert, <laughs> which <laughs> means which means that she knew him really from uh, almost childhood days. And um, Albert uh, had a wonderful version of a Herschel Thomas tune, the Suitcase Blues. And um, you know, I have played this uh, Albert Amos version of the Suitcase Blues for a long time, and then I heard rumors that uh, Sippy was still alive, and she had lyrics for that. And um, I wanted to get a chance you know, to, to meet her and try out if we could do something, a recording of the Suitcase Blues with the lyrics you know, sung by the original singer of it. And um, you know, we met up in 82, and uh, that, really, um, that really started, uh, started a wonderful uh, relationship in a way. I know my experience when I was coming up was that that older generation was so excited about younger people who really believed in the music and cared about it. They were very, very encouraging, which is a great thing for you at 27 to meet someone like oh, that, yeah. who not only to get to play with them, but to have them be so enthusiastic and reinforce what you're doing. Oh, yes, and, you know, especially <laughs> when you think what uh, blues and boogie-woogie meant to them, also to a lot of the jazz uh, greats, you know, they started out with that, and that was uh, the time and also the music uh, which they would use to get all the girls, you know. <laughs> so they... <laughs> this, this theme always comes up. Yeah. I, have this, I have this show asking people about inspiration. I would say 80% of the musicians, of the male musicians I have on the show, I'll say, why did you start playing jazz? And they go, girls liked it. 
It's, yeah, so it's obviously the same in Germany. Yeah, you know, that's music. <laughs> What's music for? <laughs> I want you to play something else. Play another a song of your choice. You know, the funny thing is, you know, there's a lot of wonderful music, a lot of wonderful songs uh, which are virtually forgotten. And there are uh, people, you know, wonderful singers who were recording like in the 20s, 30s, 40s on and later on hardly ever uh, had the chance to, uh, to uh, be recorded again. And there was a wonderful piano player and singer in uh, Los Angeles by the name of Betty Hall Jones. And uh, she had a wonderful tune called Learn to Boogie Boogie. And this is what we did. We learned it to boogie boogie. <laughs> I'm surely learning. I like it. Here we go. From opera to boogie. <laughs> My guests, vocalist Lila Ammons and pianist Axel Swingenberger, recorded at the Escona Jazz Festival in Switzerland. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired.
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Jazz Times, your resource for all things jazz. Visit them at jazztimes.com. For a schedule of upcoming jazz-inspired programs, visit jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. And check out our Jazz Listening for Life project. I and a group of great musicians are going into schools across the country performing jazz for students and teaching them listening skills. More information is at judycarmichael.com. To find out about my CDs, performance schedule, to follow me on Twitter and Facebook, or to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. My guests are German boogie pianist Axel Swingenberger and American vocalist Lila Ammons. I talked with them in front of an audience at the Ascona Jazz Festival in Switzerland as part of a series of interviews at that beautiful spot at the foot of the Alps. Well, you are influenced by somebody that people don't think of with boogie, but certainly with some blues, and James P. Johnson, one of my favorites. So you brought me some James P. Johnson here. Talk about this. Yeah, this is a very interesting thing about James P. Johnson. <clears throat> you know, generally, uh, most stride piano players uh, are not too close to the blues thing, not too close to the blues feeling. And James P. is actually uh, the, the big uh, exception for that. He was uh, uh, he was Bessie Smith's favorite accompanist. He uh, composed a, a number of uh, blues tunes like Backwater Blues or Arkansas Blues and that. And um, what I put you for uh, to this uh, little compilation is uh, a version of Backwater Blues he did for Blue Note in 1943. I mean, a lot of people like to forget that Blue Note was actually founded uh, to record Albert Ammons and Midlax Lewis in the beginning, and they were very fond of blues piano playing. And uh, so uh, they even had James P. play quite a number of uh, wonderful blues recordings to it. And the feel, feeling that he has in that, uh, it shows me that he's also uh, somebody who is who is really able to have the blues spirit and uh, this kind of blues expression. And uh, he has it to a much uh, larger degree than any other of uh, the great stride artists that I know. They play wonderful music, but uh, it's, it's, from, it's a slightly different uh, uh, expression that they have.
James P. Johnson on a 1943 recording of Backwater Blues. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with boogie pianist Axel Swingenberger. interesting since they often refer to James P. Johnson as the father of stride piano that his blues grounding didn't influence the people that followed him in the same way that the other aspects of his playing did. Can you speak to that a bit? In my opinion, uh, James P. is really uh, the the figure for stride piano playing uh, because it has something uh, to it, you know, some rough quality uh, besides all his uh, musical education that he had. But his playing has some of a folk music quality to it. Even uh, whatever he plays in his stride, uh, striding tunes, in his jazz tunes, in his compositions, in his blues tunes. And his followers, they were already going a little more to the swing direction, I believe, Um Although Fats uh, Waller, for example, uh, also did a lot of uh, blues accompaniments. He worked with uh, Alberta Hunter, and Sippy Wallace was very fond of Fats as a blues accompanist. But uh, to me, it's a little different feeling to it. And uh, um, the uh, this kind of, of folk blues expression is really hard to describe. You know, it, you just hear it, it touches you, and you know that's it, and uh, it's really hard to describe. But James P. had it. And um, and um, the others not in uh, not in the same way. Talk about the big three and what you hear. What I think of as the big three, <laughs> Melox and uh, Albert Ammons and Pete Johnson. What distinguishes these three from each other for you? They were very gifted, but not uh, formally schooled musicians. Um, and I think. They rather looked uh, upon themselves rather as jazz players uh, than as uh, blues players, but they couldn't help it. They were blues players, actually. <laughs> they came from that uh, from that background, and um, this is um, uh, this is very interesting. They're pretty dis- uh, uh, pretty different. Uh, each of them, although they have that thing in common that they have that great type of uh, drive that they have um, and this uh, I mean they, they all did all three of them did boogie boogie to perfection mm. and um, Albert had the biggest tone of all of them he also was very fond of pianistics there's so many uh, so many uh, refinements that are really hard to do you know all this kind of tremolo things that he has and he really loves that he really he really shows it when he when he's playing and he has this absolutely unique tone you know that? now that's an interesting thing i'm glad you brought up because tone on piano is very different than tone on a wind instrument something mm-hmm. wind or brass that you're blowing into because we're playing a uh, an instrument that we're hitting the keys then the keys are then you know through a mechanism hitting hammers that hit strings so speak to that a bit about exactly what you mean by tone, because you and I know as pianists, but it's an interesting thing to explain for our audience. 
Well, what I mean with tone is uh, you want to make the piano sound uh, in a certain way. And as jazz and blues piano players, we like to have it the way that we want it. Mm. Yeah? And uh, how you feel it, how myself, uh, uh, how, how I'm feeling it. And um, you have different techniques, uh, how you touch the keys. As I said, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty difficult to have an develop an individual tone on the piano. Uh, it took me 25 years, actually, from my very beginnings of uh, piano playing until I had the tone that I wanted. Ah, yeah, it I is, see, that's it is really, it is really, It really took me a long time. And... Uh, and uh, so, but that that has that uh, that mark, you know, that you can, you hear you hear somebody play, and you don't know who it is, uh, but you don't get that information, but you know it from the way he plays, from you know, the way he sounds. Mm. And uh, and Albert Ammons, out of the three, had a, as I said, had a very rich and full tone. Mm -hmm. And Midlax Lewis uh, uh, also had a rich and full tone, but he liked to play more diff uh, more dissonant clusters to it. Mm. You know, he mm -hmm. had a whole uh, whole harmonic conception of his own mm -hmm. very chromatic uh, chromatically uh, done and it's uh, and and a very he had the most aggressive sound of of the three of them to, uh, first of all due uh, to these kind of uh, uh, dissonances that he played but also in the, on his way of attacking uh, the keyboard and uh, Pete Johnson who was from Kansas City he had the most uh, slandered uh, tone of them and uh, you know very sharp in a way and he he liked to have a lot of transparency in his playing and um, speaking about the influences of their music to my own um, Pete's uh, open way of improvising was uh, the, the the biggest influence on me actually actually it was Pete uh, who first got me um, and um, he has, uh, if you follow this pattern, you know, you have the, the most open field, how you can uh, do your improvisations. But um, then uh, I, I, I really like the, the sound of Albert's kind of uh, wonderful, uh, um, wonderful harmonies that he, he's using and uh, needs dissonances. So I kind of, uh, kind of uh, start to work out, you know, Put this together, uh, make something new out of it. Something that I love about your playing and that I think is so important, and we're talking about rhythmic styles, really particularly rhythmic styles and very often solo styles in stride piano, what I do, what I specialize in, and in boogie and blues, what you specialize in. And a lot of people who try to do this, to my ears, they're working so hard at making it happen, that the time feel is is not only uh, maybe not working, but it's not solid. And I noticed that with your playing and the, these great people that we love, that you don't even think about it. That groove is there. Everything else, you feel like there is a rhythm section happening, mm -hmm. and all these other things are happening around it. And it's a beautiful thing. Talk about how you do that, because I know for me, with when I talk to people who want to learn how to play stride they always say what should I do I say just play the left hand forever mm -hmm. till you get that together to where you don't even think about it and you just you can close your eyes and you know just do it and speak to that and for some of your students or people you talk to 
people like me who aspire to play boogie woogie <laughs> like you. Um, you said the keyboard or uh, keyboard already, which is groove, and uh, you know boogie woogie of course has to swing, and uh, this uh, feel of swing that lift enables you to play it actually because normally uh, in in, uh, in classical measures. Uh, your hand should die after half a minute of uh, playing uh, boogie boogie and also uh, like stride piano playing. And the other thing is, um, you also mentioned that uh, this is um, denounced as a kind of three uh, three chord music. And of course, the blues is a um, has a simple structure, but it's it's an abstract form. You know, every chorus uh, that you play, every twelve bars, if you do twelve bar tune. Uh, every 12 bars, the game is open again. And uh, uh, But Boogie Boogie piano playing does not rely on a lot of songs that you would uh, recognize, that you would follow along. You know, if you play something like Honeysuckle Rose, you have the melody, and then you witness how the, uh, how the, uh, uh, how the musician is uh, working with that. In Boogie Boogie, you have just uh, something abstract. And uh, the... The big refinement in this music is actually uh, the refinements of rhythm, because uh, to keep the interest, you know, it is it is something which go, which is unconscious uh, for the audience and also partly for the player. You know that you have uh, you have to build up a certain kind of groove, an almost hypnotic groove, and uh, there are really uh, so many different. Um, ways how to handle that you know if you you can play the same left hand pattern with uh, just single note basses with slightly different accents you put in some chords and that and each of them makes a different groove and uh, how you can play with that how you can can uh, can make the whole tune work you know have the left hand work together with the right hand you know I mean, both of them are working together and they are producing Uh, this kind of groove that's that's up there. I want you to do this. Can yeah. you just do? <laughs> we'll have. I want you to play just some improvised boogie. But if you can, I feel so powerful telling him what to do. <laughs> I get to place my order. I never get to make requests. This is so exciting mm -hmm. to switch it up with some different patterns and do oh, yeah. exactly what you're talking about, so we can hear it. Okay. One of the very popular bass figures in boogie boogie is. Is the walking bass, and this is, in a way, is rhythmically is the most simple one because it just goes like this. But even even that, you can have a, a lot of variety to it. You know, you can add another. Uh, you can you can uh, do it a little more dotted. And you can uh, do it a little more even. You know, Mary Lou Williams, for example, used to do that. She would do um, a little more into the in, in this vein. It's it's almost the same figure. And you can put in uh, you can put in uh, 
diff uh, additional chord, you know, like this. Then Albert Ammons had a specialty, which meant you play full chord uh, in the left hand, uh, walking up and down. It's uh, pretty demanding. It's like this. I got a piano lesson. This is so exciting. You know, I've heard that, and I always wondered how he did that with the chords. I've never known exactly how he was doing it. Now I got to see it. This is so selfish of me. Forgive me. I just had to go watch. Okay. That's great. I could, play a, um, I could play a tune of Albert's that is based on this, and this is called Bass Going Crazy. You like that, My guest, German boogie pianist Axel Swingenberger, recorded in front of an audience at the Escona Jazz Festival with vocalist Lyra Ammons, granddaughter of pianist Albert Ammons, and niece of tenor saxophonist Gene Ammons. 
I just wanted to add that it has been um, an incredible pleasure to be touring with Axel. You were talking about, uh, you guys were talking about sound, and he was talking about um, Albert's sound, and I've, I, I've learned uh, Axel has such power in his playing. And so whenever I hear Axel play, I know it's Axel because there will be a lot of other players who are wonderful in their own right, but he just has a way of sitting at that piano and bringing so much power to his playing in a way that I've not heard anybody else really do. And I've learned so much from him in the way that he presents his music. And I continue, like you were saying, you were listening to him play. I continue to learn. I learn about the different styles and about the different grooves and how a groove can change the way I interpret a song or a certain groove may not match a particular uh, lyric or song. And I'm just really getting such a wonderful education. I just wanted to say how much I appreciate and treasure the way that he plays. And it's for me, it's, it's, it's remarkable. And for lots of people, it's remarkable. I would think for you, too, coming from opera, and it's a very difficult transition usually for classical, classically trained people who, who start, who come to jazz late or to any of these kinds of things that are real groove-based mm -hmm. uh, kinds of music. For you to have somebody who has such a great, distinctive groove that sweeps you in, I would think that that would be an easier way for you to come to this music. Absolutely. It is like having uh, Fred Astaire as your dance partner. <laughs> um, because it really, like, he does kind of usher it in and then I get it, you know, but uh, from a technical standpoint, it has been very challenging, you mm. know, because uh, I, at first I was known as the singer who sang too loud mm. because I was producing this um, natural sound, you right. know, right. without a microphone, with a microphone. So I, there, were, there was a lot of adjustments and loosening up. And what I love about this is there, although in the early classic style, there's, there's still a little bit more discipline than there is in the later styles, the New Orleans and the Chicago and the later uh, generations of music where there's a lot more vocal showboating and a lot more liberties, you still, you still cannot, you can't get out of the groove like you can in the later style. So there still is that discipline, which I think for me is a match coming from where I come from. But it's a lot, um, lot more freedom than I was allowed when I was singing classical music, which I absolutely love. I would think also with opera, because you've already worked a lot. I'm an opera fan. I don't know a lot about it, but I'm a big fan of it. I know that you're working a lot on the emotion mm -hmm. of it because the voice reflects everything. Anyway, but especially I would think that great technique, but also the emotional work that you've done with opera is very similar, or it brings you to a good spot. Mm -hmm. You're already in a good place when you come to this music, which is all about mm -hmm. emotion. Yeah, that's, that is very true. And it... Uh, and that's what dis makes uh, the distinction between opera singers, because we're all mm. singing the same notes that have mm. been there for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And besides vocal color and timbre and your natural instrument, there is that element that some people bring, like a Maria Callas, who brought her greater drama to everything she did in a way that other singers didn't. So, yeah, there, is a, there, there are different uh, shades of interpretation um, and realization mm -hmm. that comes from that training. I but love it, too, that you coming from opera, that this music is actually modern to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's new. Yeah. It's new music. Yeah. That's great. We're going to have you two, if you will, for us do one more song, if that's all right. But just two really quick questions, because we're running out of time, and I don't want to keep them here. I do want to keep you here a long time, but you have a show, and I'm coming to hear your show tonight, so I want to make sure you're fresh. <laughs> so, 
Yes, you have to rehearse, exactly. Does anybody um, have anything that they want to ask or in general? No? So we'll just have them sing. Good. All right, here. We've covered it all. They know everything. This is an audience that is riddled with sophistication, so they have no questions. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. Just wonderful, and I've learned a lot myself, so thank you. Listening to the boogie pianist Axel Swingenberger and vocalist Lila Ammons. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at talkshoe.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashim on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners, Steinway & Sons and Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. Additional support is provided by the American Hotel in Sag Harbor, New York. Learn more at theamericanhotel.com. Special thanks to our webmaster, Megan Lewis, and to Jamie Roach for additional production assistance.